Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in. As we continue to talk with leaders in our community, we welcome today Linda Najat, the President and CEO of Food Lifeline, as well as Mark Coleman, the Senior Marketing and Media Relations Officer. Food Lifeline is working to end hunger in western Washington by mobilizing resources and engaging the community. Linda and Mark, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Been a Thank while. Thank you. Good Great morning. To be here. Thank you for having us, Gary. I'm glad to have you, and I'm because we need to keep talking about this. And you yes. know, sometimes we we do it just in the holiday time of the year, but people are hungry all year round. All correct? year round. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Um, ending hunger in Western Washington—that's your goal. I mean, that's a quite a goal. We're going to find out how you guys do that, right? And I said mobilize resources. That's kind of what you guys do. You're not just a food bank. Do you want to describe for folks Food Lifeline a little bit? Maybe its history. How long you've been around? who you serve and what this, you know, different kind of food bank is. You're not yeah. really a food bank. You <laughs> bet. Yeah. So Food Lifeline is actually, uh, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. Wow. So we've been around since 1979. We were actually founded by a combination of state lawmakers, by the president of a grocery uh, chain, and by some local organizations that were working to feed hungry people. And they needed a large organization that could serve as a clearinghouse for food. Those small agencies were receiving phone calls from prospective food donors who had a lot of food to give, more than they had the capacity to receive. And so they wanted to create an organization that could do that kind of good on behalf of the whole community. And so Food Lifeline was created. Um, Our job is to fill the shelves and to fill the tables of over 300 local food pantries or food banks, meal programs and shelters across all of Western Washington. So we serve 17 counties of Western Washington all the way up to the Canadian border, out across the peninsula and the islands, over to the mountains and down to Clark County. Um, So we serve hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who are facing hunger every day, and we do that by filling the shelves of agencies who serve them in their local communities. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. That is logistically, and then you do this every day. That's right. This is a thing that you just don't fill an order and say, oh, done. This is, people are hungry every day. You need to eat every day. That's right. And any idea? So how, what'd you say, hundreds of thousands of people? Hundreds of thousands of people. Six, seven hundred thousand people a year are turning to their local food bank just in western Washington to put meals on the table. So how, what does that mean? How many people are hungry? Is there a percentage? I mean, is these things measured accurately? They are. And what we've discovered to our research is that one in five children don't always have enough to eat. And for adults, it's one in eight. And wow. that's when we're talking about food insecurity there. That means that at some point during the month, there aren't meals on the table. This doesn't mean when you talk about pure hunger, that's not having any food at all. What we're dealing with is food insecurity. And that's where the problem, as Linda mentioned, gets up to about six, 700,000 people a year. Well, and, and as school is starting, people think about their local elementary school and some kids go to school hoping there's food there. Absolutely. <laughs> and we're just ending summer here. So those kids have been missing out for a lot of them, right? You bet. The summer months are a really, really difficult time for so many lower income families who really rely on the breakfasts and lunches that are provided by schools during the school year. And when the summer month rolls around, it's not like your family income magically changes because the school year ends and now you have more resources in your own back pocket to feed your kids. So there are special programs um, that help to provide snacks and lunches and breakfasts to kids in the summer months. 
but those programs aren't able to reach enough of those kids. In fact, only about 12% of kids in Washington state who qualify for school meals um, actually receive them in the summer. So there's a huge gap in the summertime of kids that don't get meals. When the school year starts, many, many families are really grateful because it means that their kids are gonna have the opportunity to gain two thirds of their meals at school. And we know that for many of those kids, that's the only food that they get. Wow. So, I mean, does someone have to qualify for these food banks no. and food programs? No. That no, not at all. No, we believe that food is a human right, that everyone deserves access to enough nutritious food to thrive in their lives. And so if someone shows up at a food bank or at a meal program and says that they need help, we believe them. Right? And, and people... I don't know if this is a hard part to get over people's heads uh, as trying to help and donate and go to foodlifeline.org to help. Um, people think these are homeless folks and they're, they're on, you know, the economy's booming. They could work if they want. These people are working. They just can't, right? I mean, most people, you know, have, there was a thing called the working poor and people don't understand right. the size of this, scope of this, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the misconceptions that we find that uh, people like, well, who are you, who, who are you assisting? The average family are nine, what's put it this way, 92 to 93% of our clients, the people that we serve have homes, 70% have jobs. Again, we're talking about the working poor. We're talking about financial insecurity where you don't have, I don't know if when you and I grew up, our parents told us, you know, have two or three months worth of your salary in your savings account, you know, just in that case. That wasn't a standard. That's right. Yeah. And and I grew up with that thinking that that was always a thing. And that's not true today. That's, that's too entirely difficult. So you take a family who maybe has one or maybe even two parents working, they have a $500 car repair bill. They have a $700 medical bill. That throws them. And they are at that, that critical point where that means not putting food on the table or not having medicine when we're talking about seniors, Yeah. right? And, and th that's another growing population mm -hmm. of, our, of the people we serve, our seniors. That and are in food insecurity. Food insecurity. Fastest growing population that we serve. And yes. if you think about that, seniors have a, are living on a, on a fixed income, but that doesn't mean that the cost of living doesn't go up. Yeah, and so, particular housing, I, is absolutely. Seattle in the Northwest got a worse housing uh, price index versus the cost of, I don't know. Is Second that, worst in the nation. Is it? That's right. I thought it was pretty high, yeah. To, mm -hmm. to San Francisco, and they don't count New York because that's just so, so off the charts. But for example, you take a senior citizen, and we've noticed this in our pocket neighborhoods, you take a senior citizen who's been living in Ballard in an apartment for 20 years, for the majority of that years, was paying about four or $500 a month rent. The average rent down there now for a one bedroom is $1,950. Aye, aye, aye. So I, I guarantee you there wasn't some point along the line where Social Security went, you know what, we're going to give you another $1,000. Um, well, because they so don't have it. They don't have it. So when we have this growth and we have the, the fourth largest income inequality in the country right now, and just two years ago we were 23rd. Well, let's talk of income inequality to kind of describe that and why that is such an impactful part of people being hungry. It, it truly is because when – when you have a boom in your city, as we've had, the tech boom, and and what happens is they bring in high-paying jobs at higher wages. That raises housing prices. Supply you know, the, and demand. Supply so and demand. A renter can say, I'm going to raise my rent because I can get it. I can get it, exactly. And and we're, we're bounded by mountains and water, 
So land isn't really, we're not making any more dirt. No. <laughs> so that's where it starts. And then so once you have that income equality, then the businesses and the, and the consumer choices around that also increase. Mm -hmm. You know, you see more high-end stores, high-end restaurants. Everything becomes geared to wherever that median income is. Right. Well, now, if you're someone who's making well below that median income, everything in, in, in your purview has gone up in price. Okay? And so you have to you end up having to make choices, you know, difficult choices about where you're going to live, how much you're going to spend on food, are you going to be able to afford your medicine, that inequality. And like I said, we jumped in two years, we jumped 20 notches mm -hmm. up to number four. We, are, we have the most income dis disparity in this country than every other city but three. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that, gee, the way you describe that, you get priced out of your Absolutely. own community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and we've seen giant migrations of folks who need food assistance who are moving from Seattle out to outlying communities, south to South King County and Tacoma, where pro housing prices are a bit lower. Um, and then they're facing uh, difficulties. Now they've lost their circle of support from friends and neighbors. They've lost their church congregation that was a source of support and community. Yeah. Um, they now have to completely rebuild all of those ties that so many of us just take for granted, you mm, know? Yeah. My neighbors and I look out for each other. Um, my um, community is a place that's familiar to me. I can't imagine how difficult that would be if I were facing um, uh, income um, crisis and had to make all of those choices over again. Well, so that the need is there. Uh, Absolutely. We've gotten that established. Let's talk about how Food Lifeline, then you said all over these 17 counties, man, how, so how does that work? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, there are hungry people everywhere, and I guess there's food everywhere, but we as Americans, again, talk about income inequality. We have so much food. We throw away a lot of food. We throw we, away we a lot of food. food. A lot of food go to waste and rot on a shelf, right? Absolutely. Or so how, what is it all about? You bet. There's a lot of trucks and vans involved, yep. I'm guessing. Yeah, you bet. So there are, there are two sides of, uh, of the work that we do at Food Lifeline. We're working to feed people who are experiencing hunger every day by sourcing and distributing really, really large quantities of food. And then the other really important side of the work that we do is to address the root causes to help solve hunger forever. Right? Yeah. Um, and so what, what's really important to me to communicate is that it's not enough to do one, we have to do both, right? So in terms of feeding people who are experiencing hunger today, Food Lifeline has a team of extraordinarily talented um, folks who work um, in food sourcing. And they go out and build relationships with individuals and companies and farmers who work in the food industry. Virtually every aspect of the food industry from farm to fork um, has food waste, whether it's a farmer who's grown a crop that's the wrong size or shape or color, whether it's a processor who um, has put uh, product in packaging and then discovered that the labeling is incorrect, or perhaps as they um, prepared the product, they discovered there was an issue with the recipe and there's not enough sodium or there's <laughs> um, too many cranberries in the granola, right? Um, not problems that would create unwholesome food, but just problems that from a marketing or branding perspective don't match the criteria that a company is looking for. Food Lifeline goes in and develops logistical processes that help us capture that surplus wholesome food and get it from the donor's facility to our facility. And then we allow all of the agencies that we work with to order food from us once a week. 
Uh, we have an online platform that they can log into, and it's just like shopping from an online grocery store. Huh. They can order as much of whatever it is that they need for the particular families that they serve. Our warehouse staff will then pull those orders and get them prepared on a designated day. Those agencies can then either come to us or we deliver to them. Um, and that provides them with a weekly shipment of food from Food Lifeline that they can use to stock their shelves and feed the people who come through their doors. Awesome. That that sounds like a real... <clears throat> My dad was a warehouseman oh, a long, yeah. long time ago. That sounds like exactly what he... Look in orders, know what the supply is. I know yep. what the the outgo is. But man, the internet and computer age must have helped this industry. I mean, the, you used to phrase food sourcing. I don't think people have ever thought of that. That's a business. That's a line now that people do. Absolutely. And, and, and we're talking enormous quantities of food. Last year, Food Lifeline sourced 61 million pounds of food. Wow. That's yeah. a lot of food. And what I can tell you is that it's not nearly enough. We aren't coming anywhere close to meeting the actual need. And that's what makes the second half of our mission really, really important. Yeah. Addressing the root causes of hunger and engaging our community in advocacy for strong public policy, looking at the systems uh, and structures in our society that are erecting artificial barriers and keeping people from accessing. Why do, why do particular programs, for example, need to have particular policies? Are there policies that we could reshape or refine that would enable folks to more um, easily access those programs? Right. Have you so, got an example or two of that? I'm absolutely. You bet. Um, the child nutrition reauthorization will be coming this fall. There are a whole host of publicly funded programs that provide food to kids. Um, there are proposals on the table right now that would change um, what percentage of kids facing hunger um, have to be present in a school in order for the school to qualify for the free and reduced breakfast and lunch. There is the potential right now that if some current proposed legislation were to pass, entire schools would fall out of eligibility because they fall below a percentage threshold. That doesn't mean that the kids that go to that school are any less hungry. It means that we've now erected an artificial barrier that will prevent those kids from getting the food that, that we need. So they've said, let's say, I don't know what the number is, I'll make one up. Instead of 54% having to qualify for free and reduced lunch, it's got to be 85. And so since it's not 85, we're not serving that school at all. Right. So that 54%, they're still there, but... Um, they're going to go hungry from this program. That's right. right. That's right. So there's a lot of federal, state, county, city. Do, uh, there's a lot of just charity food banks. You guys work with all of those, and there's all sorts of advocacy that goes along yes. to get people learning and, and helping more about that. And But I guess, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of going around in circles with mm -hmm. my question here, Linda. Sorry. Um, uh, the, the reason uh, this takes so long to get people figuring out we got to change some kind of system. I mean, that's a head-scratcher to me sometimes. I, I agree. And, you know, the, the bottom line is that everyone deserves the right for healthy food. Every single person needs the opportunity to access enough nutritious food to eat three healthy meals a day. Every child, every adult, every senior, every day needs to eat three times, right? We've made it a decision that we want to make sure that everyone has access to clean water, We've made it uh, clear that we need to have safe streets. Um, we've needed to um, pass uh, legislation that enables bikers 
um, to be uh, protected, right? And so what we believe at Food Lifeline is that every person has a right to nutritious food, and we are in pursuit of laws and policies and legislation that clear the barriers and enable people to access the food that they need, when they need it, where they are. Well, that's kind of funny when you think about <laughs> it takes us so long. It takes almost a generation to come around and realize yeah, why haven't we always said everybody ought to have this? I right. mean, Mark, uh, yeah. we're talking about big changes and, you know, getting people to change their minds. Uh, September has just started here. You guys have uh, September, you're fighting hunger month, right? It's, uh, uh, hunger it, action. Let's do something about it. National Hunger Action Month. Okay. We, we're asking everybody to wear orange every day for 30 days. <laughs> okay, we're not. That, that, uh, that, um, won't, that won't get people. That, that's hungry. just a marketing guy's dream. That's all. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, no, Hunger Action Month is is in September, and and it's it's placed there for a reason. It's it's the end of the summer hunger season, where we're really trying to raise awareness on summer hunger. But it's also before we move into the holidays. So it's our opportunity to really to share information with people about what we do, what they can do, what the barriers are, and how we can remove them. So we will just want people to start having conversations. The second half of this work that Lynn is talking about, there's going to be a lot of conversations involved. So we do a couple events. Uh, the first one is our Hacking Hunger event. And we've been talking a little bit about advocacy. We have an advocacy team that works in Olympia for us and here in Seattle. And they have put together a, an amazing summit, if you will, of local leaders that are already doing great work on hunger relief and in food justice and we're bringing them all together for the day to have a conversation in kind of a little mini town hall uh, around child hunger and what we can do so these are like people do have ideas about how we can tweak and change the system let's yes. hear from everybody and let's let's do something let's not bring just them all think. together and because someone over here is working on something that someone over here can also be working on but they haven't had a chance to meet you know we're about putting the hands together Hacking hunger, you called it? Hacking hunger. So can the public go to this and listen? The public can come to this. They can certainly engage with us and go to foodlifeline.org and go to our events page, and they can learn about hacking hunger. That is our first event. Um, Then that Sunday on September 8th, we're taking over Wallingford for a day. Um, The the neighborhood of Wallingford, we're having food stock. This is just a week away then. People are going to get ready for this. Week from Sunday. 50 years ago uh, was the anniversary of Woodstock. So now you're you're catching in on that food stock. We absolutely are. Back then it was the summer of love. This year it's the summer to end hunger. That's an awesome idea. So what goes on over there? This is uh, in North Seattle. It's a music festival at Meridian Park in Wallingford, mm-hmm. and it is on Sunday, September 8th. It starts at 11 a.m. and goes till about 5.30. It is a family-friendly event. We have four bands. Three of them are local. One of them is an 80s legend band from England called the English Beat. I remember them. Remember the English I Beat? Was, okay. I'm old enough. See that? They had a few hits, kind of a ska rock band, It is. It's a ska, ska pop band, and I just, I tell very people. Very fun. They were very fun band. Very, I just tell people, I go, you're going to dance. Yeah, you it, can't it help just it. Just get ready, but it is a very park-oriented. People bring their 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 coolers and their blankets, and it's a day-long event. It it's only twenty dollars to come join us. Of course, proceeds come to Food Lifeline. Uh, children under twelve are free. Uh, we're going to have some of our uh, we have a chance to recognize some of our corporate partners that have made tremendous corp, uh, corporate donations and participation with us this year. And it's just going to be an amazing day. So we're looking forward to that. So that's number two. That sounds number, fun. So, so it's rock out, speak out, and dine out. And the dine out oh. is Dress Down Hunger, which is actually on October 5th. And that is a party that we throw every year 
uh, in the fall. We have people into our warehouse. We push everything. In, our warehouse team is amazing. They push everything back to the walls. We turn it into an Italian cafe oh. <laughs> with the little string lights and the uh-huh. tables. It is absolutely amazing. Um, but so it's, not dress up. For a, dress a down. Dress no, no tuxedos and no, no, uh, not gowns. Not unless your tuxedo has thermals. It's, okay. It could be a little chilly. No, dress it's actually Dress down more. hunger. Dress down hunger. And that event is also on our, our homepage as well. So those are three opportunities for them to engage. The, I also want to mention, too, that our Dress Down Hunger is an opportunity for us to also give out our Ending Hunger Awards. And these are commun- people in the community that are either activists or supporters or corporate partners to really acknowledge them, acknowledge their work, and give them a thank you. And we have an amazing MC. She's a cabaret artist, so it's going to be, it's going to be fun. <laughs> so all of these uh, can be found foodlifeline.org, right? Yes. Right. Okay. The website really is a pretty good resource too. If people are hungry and listen to this, like, ah, oh, I, I really am in need of food. The, the website is also a resource for that, right? It is, a, a big list of where all these meal programs, food banks that you work with, people can find. We actually some... have an interactive map. Oh, so that's awesome. Tell me about to, that. It, the, the page is called uh, Need Food, question mark. If you go to that page, you put in your zip code, and it will show you where all the resources are around you. Ah. So I, I'd like to say we created that. We didn't. We borrowed it. But it's a wonderful tool, and it really helps us connect those that are struggling with the resources that are out there. We are talking this morning with Linda Najat and Mark Coleman from Food Lifeline, an organization that feeds the hungry in Western Washington. More accurately, Food Lifeline, I guess, is a network of groups that take part in feeding the hungry, right? Who helps you make this happen? I mean, Mark mentioned corporate uh, donors. Do you take the community, not just you? I mean, it's probably individuals that click on that, donate the most and buy tickets to food stock, but you must have need for corporate donors, parts of the community, right? You bet. You know, we say hunger is a community problem and it takes the entire community to address it. So we have uh, supporters who span uh, the the whole um, uh, range of, of opportunities. We have corporate partners. We get amazing help from local foundations. We have um, unbelievable support from families and individuals who care about hungry people. We had last year uh, almost 19,000 people who came and volunteered in our warehouse wow. helping us repack food and get it ready for distribution. Um, we have so many people. That's um, a big volunteer base. So it's a huge That must turn base. over too. So people can, that's on the website too, right? Volunteer. It is. And Folks can actually uh, sign up for a volunteer shift right on our website. Maybe come and do that as a group with oh, your buddies, a as a family. You bring bet. your kids and teach them how sure. to help. Bring, kids as young bring as your six. Neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Kids as young as six. Bring your neighbors, bring your family, bring your friends. Companies uh, bring groups in for team building. We have families who come and hold birthday parties, uh, you name it. And just packing food. That's yeah, right. And it's sorting a, and repacking. That's right. It's a, it's a great way to do good while you're um, working alongside um, really wonderful people, and we just encourage the whole community to come and join us. It's a yeah. great time. Hey, we, uh, the time is really whipping by here. We're going to have to end this pretty soon. What Have we left anything out about Food Lifeline, what you want to talk about today? Uh, September being Hunger Action Month or donating or just tell me what we didn't say or maybe something you want to say twice. You know, I I just really want to say to folks who are listening um, that uh, that hunger is a problem that impacts every single one of us. It's an issue that is invisible to see. We don't know 
um, who um, around us is experiencing this problem. But we know with one in five kids hungry or at risk of hunger and one in eight adults hungry or at risk of hunger, hunger is everywhere around us. Um, and so it is all of our concern to address. Um, there are lots of ways that people can get involved in our work. We really want to encourage people to come and volunteer with us and lend their hands and their hearts to our work. We really want to encourage folks to learn more about the public policy advocacy work that we could do and lend their voice. Our elected representatives need to hear from everyone in the community that we all believe that people need access to food. Um, and so we encourage folks to learn about issues that are really important and to use their voice to speak out and make a difference. And we want to ask folks who are in a position to be able to donate financially to take that opportunity. Visit the website at foodlifeline.org and make a gift. Every dollar that is contributed, we can turn into the equivalent of four meals. Um, we work really, really hard to be good stewards of our donors' dollars, and we want to ask them to stand with us as we work to address injustice across our country and in our backyards and to make sure that people have access to the food that they need. Wow. That's so well said, Linda. You really have been a great uh, voice for uh, the hung hungry here in western Washington. And like you said, it's, it hasn't stopped. You guys are plugging away 40 years. And unfortunately, I have a feeling you're going to have to keep going for a few more until you get to that goal of ending hunger. And like you said, Get those voices raised to people That's who can right. make these decisions. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Hacking Hunger Friday, uh, Food Stock Sunday, and then Dress Down Hunger in October. Right, Mark? That's yes, indeed. October 5th. All those things online, foodlifeline.org. Thank you guys so much for being here. We have been talking today with Linda Najat. She's the president and CEO of Food Lifeline. and Mark Coleman, the marketing and media relations officer at Food Lifeline. Thank you guys so much for coming and sharing Food Lifeline with us today. Absolutely. Thank you, Gary, and thank you to your listeners as well. Hey, a bigger thanks for what Food Lifeline is doing to end hunger in Western Washington. If you'd like to hear this interview again, it will be available as a podcast on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts within a few days. Just search Spotlight with Gary Scheip. I am Gary Scheip. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.